This season of The Brand is Female is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD is proud to support women entrepreneurs and help them achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship opportunities. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female. My guests today are Connie Lowe and Laura Burgett, co-founders of New Body, a natural skincare brand they launched in 2017 after being frustrated with the lack of clean beauty options on the market. Starting their company at 23 and with just $4,000, their grit and determination has paid off today as the brand can be found in over 350 retailers across North America, including the Bay and Coles in the U.S. Listen to Connie and Laura's story as well as the lessons they learned along the way. Hi, I'm Connie. I'm the co-founder of New Body. I manage marketing and sales. And I'm Laura. I'm the other co-founder of New Body. I manage our backend and supply chain. So before we get into recent projects and all the success around New Body, I do want to go back in time to uh, the beginning. So uh, both of you growing up, you know, younger, and what were you thinking of doing later in life? And was the idea of becoming an entrepreneur already in the back of your minds at that time? Yeah, I can start. Um, so ever since I was young, I was very inspired to be an entrepreneur because um, my dad is an entrepreneur. So he would let me go along with him on business trips and we would go to different places around the world. Like one time we went to Frankfurt, um, we've been to Brazil and you know Chicago, just to name a few. And so I was very inspired from, you know, like the young age of six. Um, really understanding like how to analyze new markets and everything and um, learning a lot from him and also seeing like both the good side and some of the bad sides of being an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. Um, in particular seeing him like struggle to find that balance of being able to work from home and Mm -hmm. also needing time with his family Um, so the idea of being an entrepreneur was always in the back of my mind Um, I had my own businesses in high school and then in Mm -hmm. university at Queens um, I was part of the Queens entrepreneurs competition Mm -hmm. Um, so started off as like a first year rep and then end up co-chairing the competition. Um, But during this time also, I felt like very much funneled to go down a route of something like more quantitative. I think in part it was because of pressure from seeing what my classmates were doing, where a lot of them found that success was really driven by if you were able to get a job in accounting, finance, Mm. banking, you know, something more number heavy. And for me, I've always been more of the creative type, but I just felt that pressure. So I ended up accepting a role at KPMG, one of the big four accounting firms, um, and just absolutely did not like audit mm. from day one. Um, so who I does, said, really? Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, kudos to the people who can stick through it. Yeah. That was not for me. Mm. So I did try two internships and I worked eight months of full time. And then after that, I decided to quit and go into marketing and sales, um, which is where like my passion really lies. Mm. And it was during this time that I was introduced to Laura, which we can get into later. Um, and she was the one who had the initial idea for New Body. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the day that we met, I was like, this is what I meant to do. And I'm just curious, what were your businesses in high school? Yeah, so we had this like DIY hot chocolate mix um, in a mug that we got from Ikea. um, Mm. And we like mixed it with like hot chocolate, marshmallows and candies and like wrapped in cheap cellophane and pressured our classmates to purchase them. Um, I remember we had two other ideas as well because we did this from grade 9 to grade 12. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that was kind of like the start of my entrepreneurial journey, learning how to sell um, in particular, um, specifically selling stuff that maybe pe- people don't necessarily want, <laughs> which okay, is yeah. also you know really good for developing very thick skin, right? Which right. I need now um, as I manage marketing at New Body. <laughs> well, hopefully, people are more enticed by New Body's products. Oh, hundred percent. Cellophane wrapped hot chocolate. Yeah, we've got to start somewhere. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And Laura, for you? So I'd say in my case, I didn't necessarily always want to be an entrepreneur from a young age, but I was definitely always a rebel and an independent thinker and fiercely stubborn. And I think these are qualities that most entrepreneurs will have and Mm -hmm. show from a very young age. I always showed those entrepreneurial streaks and tendencies. Um, My dad was also a business owner, which Connie and I have in common. Um, And I had little businesses that I would have on the, like, um, school playground where I'd try to hustle my friends for, like, homemade brownies and homemade jewelry Mm -hmm. and sell them to my parents at Christmas time, which then they would give to friends and things like that. Um, But when I was little, my dream career was really nerdy. I wanted to be a librarian, Mm -hmm. and then I wanted to be an archaeologist, and then I wanted to be an architect. (laughs) So I was not this, like, wheeler-dealer kid necessarily. I was definitely a nerd. 
Um, and then even in high school, I decided to go into engineering for school mm-hmm. um, just because it was a safe career option, high employability afterwards. Um, my parents felt great about that, very similar to Connie's story as well. But then um, in school, once I was able to kind of think critically about my own career prospects, mm-hmm. that's when entrepreneurship started to get to the real forefront of what I wanted to do when I graduated. I had worked in a corporate job at Labatt, which is a massive beer company um, in Canada, and just felt like I was a cog within this big machine. Mm. And then when I was in school, I ran two companies. So one of them was an exterior painting company. I had 18 members that worked under me for an entire summer. I did over $120,000 in sales in four months. Wow. And was running the entire business. Um, so it was a college pro franchise. So it was great to learn the operational core of mm. how to run and manage a business without right. having to focus on building a brand, which mm-hmm. is arguably much harder to do. Yeah. Uh, and then also ran a retail bookstore on campus as well, where okay. I managed everything, had a team under me, um, did all the buying and uh, accounts receivable, again, very operational. So those were kind of two fundamentals that I think um, allowed me to really discover my passion for entrepreneurship. Mm. So tell me about the big meet when you guys were mm-hmm. introduced to each other and then what happened next? Yeah, so it was, uh, I just graduated from university, had this idea for a skincare line because as a consumer, I was frustrated with how expensive natural skincare products were mm. or the ones I could afford on my student budget claimed to be natural. But then once I actually read the ingredient list, it was like, there was nothing natural about this. Yeah. And I really struggled with finding something that was that intersection of quality, natural ingredients at prices I could afford. Mm. Um, so that was initial hypothesis and a goal and problem that we were solving with New Body. Um, so I was talking to some of my close uh, friends about this idea and one of them that I went to school with knew Connie through middle school and he was like, oh, you should meet up with my friend Connie. She's huge into the space. She loves buying beauty products. Um, get her consumer user feedback essentially mm-hmm. on my minimal minimum viable product that I had at that time, which I literally just made in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so her and I met up, this was November of 2016, so a little over three years ago now, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Um, and I had my little jar with me. We sat down for like sushi at this like hole in the wall place around the corner, just down the street from here actually. And, um, it was meant to be a 45 minute dinner and it just turned into this like three hour business brainstorming session Mm -hmm. where we were just vibing off of each other, had so such similar energies and similar values, Mm -hmm. but polar opposite, um, interests in what our goals like or role within the business would be. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was very obvious to me after that first meeting that I'd met my co-founder. I knew I wanted someone to run this business with because I'd done the College Pro franchise on my own. It was right. a very lonely, difficult experience. I have so much respect for solo entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, and then Ask Connie, it kind of felt like dating or marriage, which you always hear <laughs> those parallels being drawn between entrepreneurship and marriage. That's definitely what it felt like. I was like, do you want to be my co-founder? She was like, yes. And I was like, wait, take some time to think about this because this is a commitment. And she was like, no, I'm all in. And literally the next day we got to work. Wow. So tell me about your side of it. What was appealing about Laura's proposal, basically, and her vision for the skincare brand? Um, So during that time, I remember I had been telling my friends, as well as my sister, because I remember she reminded me afterwards that even though I was in a role um, at Kimberly Clark in marketing and sales that I really loved, I still felt like there was a part of me that was missing. And I remember telling people that I felt unfulfilled. And I always wanted to start my own thing, like seriously full time. Mm -hmm. But I never had an idea that resonated with me enough that made me want to take the leap. Um, and at the same time, ever since I was young, I've always been interested in natural skincare. Okay. Um, my mom really instilled that in me, like with holistic remedies and like eating well and, you know, your skin um, is a reflection of what you're eating, but then you can also use natural ingredients from the kitchen to make face masks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been like a fan of natural beauty since like as long as I can remember. Um, and so that was re- what really enticed me about this idea was that a, it's like, you know, working with another female founder, which I absolutely love. Um, B, Laura and I like vibed, like she said, from day one. Like literally when we sat down, I was like, oh, I really like this person. Like you can just tell someone's energy, I think, when you do meet someone for the mm. first time. Like I could tell that I could trust her and that like we would just like work really well together and vibe, like she said. Mm. Um, but also, you know, in particular, the idea was something that really resonated too because like Laura mentioned, like natural beauty can get extremely expensive mm. and also when you do pick up a product that's expensive, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for your skin right, exactly. because everyone's skin is different. Um, so that was like a big problem that a lot of women face. Mm. Um, so when she explained her idea and you know being able to look at that minimum viable product that she made and 
you know, she gave it to me later that night to test and I really enjoyed using it and helped to take off all my makeup. Mm -hmm. um, so from there, like I was absolutely sold. <laughs> so tell me about the next steps because skincare is not an easy category to get into. Like there's the R&D involved, finding mm -hmm. a supplier who can do these formulas for you. Um, creating your own formula is a whole other thing and it requires investment as well. So how did you go about setting it up? We were really scrappy from the beginning because we were both fairly recent grads, having graduated around a year beforehand. And um, so we only had four grand to play with. We each invested $2,000 into the company. Mm. Um, some of that went towards boring legal stuff like incorporation documents. Uh, a bunch of it went into our initial stock and inventory that we had ordered. And then to get the business off the ground, uh, we were initially just making everything out of our own kitchens. Wow. So we didn't go the route of having a big supply chain yeah. and supplier set up. Um, instead, we were like, okay, let's use my chemical engineering background mm -hmm. combined with Connie's business background. I'll help to formulate the product. She'll come up with the marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. And then let's just like get things rolling and see how it goes, essentially. Right. So initially, it was a lot of like hustle, I would yeah. say, both on the back end of just manual filling and and manual design work mm -hmm. um, on my end, and then on Connie's side of like hustling people on Instagram by like mm -hmm. messaging them as soon as she saw that they followed mm -hmm. us, being like, hey, can I help you find the right product? And yeah. it, it just it just grew from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I definitely think like having that time of that hustle really pushes you to think very closely about the business that you're working on an idea like I think a lot of the times people think that they need to have a massive budget to start a brand yeah. um, but the thing is like if you have to like really work at every single step when you're starting mm. it'll make you very clear you'll have a very clear idea of if you really enjoy what you're working on and mm. if the business is actually like a viable idea mm -hmm. um, which clearly it was and that's amazing. And what about you? The, the line is now sold in uh, different retailers, including the Bay, mm -hmm. uh, which is a huge retailer with some of the world's you know leading brands. How did you get to that point of being able to you know present your brand as a legit skincare brand and then get that buy-in from the industry? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, initially, it was a lot of literally walking down Queen Street and just like handing out samples of our product right. and our line sheets and um, a lot of like recurring emails, um, you know, follow-ups to ask buyers if they've tried the product. But once you get a couple of small retailers, then you can reference those retailers yeah. um, when you reach out to new buyers. And that's the same thing with press hits. Like when you get one or two press hits, then you can start referencing those when you're reaching out to editors. You yeah. just have to start with like one. Yeah. Um, and then to get to the point where we're starting to get larger retail partnerships with the Bay in particular, um, I honestly think like a lot of the stuff is just hustle behind the scenes. There, it was not an overnight success by mm -hmm. any means. Um, so in the Bay, um, in the case of the Bay, there was someone who had reached out to us from Topshop, um, and she was asking if we wanted to do a pop up there. Okay. Um, and we didn't have availability that day, but I did ask her if she wanted to test some samples to try to get um, an introduction to the Bay's mm -hmm. buyer, um, which she accepted. And then after trying the products and loving them, then she sent us an intro to someone that she knew um, in the Bay, mm -hmm. and then from there we kind of filtered through to the appropriate buyer okay. um, and then from there I had a meeting with them at their office and then so it's like a couple month long journey yeah yeah, it and didn't they, happen overnight. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times when people see these brands um, and see some of their successes, uh, they can assume that maybe you have connections mm -hmm. or um, that you were just like really lucky or something, but they don't see all the like hundreds of emails that go out That's every it. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there a point where you felt like this, you know, complete, this might not work, we might have to give up, what are we doing here? Did you hit like that rock bottom moment at any point and how did you get out of that mindset? I mean, I think we have those moments on like semi-regular basis <laughs> <laughs> every day. Entrepreneurs, uh, if anyone says that they don't have those moments, yeah. um, they might be misleading a little bit yeah. because realistically we all have days that we're like, I can't do this. Like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Um, luckily with Kanye and I, we seem to for some reason have those feelings of doubt at opposite times yeah. so when oh, she's good. feeling high yeah. and I'll be feeling low and vice versa it's really yeah. interesting so we can kind of help to pick the other person back up mm -hmm. um, but it's really just going with the ebbs and flows and understanding understanding that it's, it's a process and not putting too much pressure on yourself to figure everything out mm -hmm. or have everything being perfect um, yeah so I wouldn't say that there's any time specifically where it's been like the worst of being like, oh, I'm like this close to quitting. Mm -hmm. um, it's more of just like 
self-doubt I think yeah. is something that we both struggle with yeah self-doubt and also sometimes comparison mm. um I think that's something that Laura and I have had to work a lot on is not comparing where we are to brands that we aspire to be that are like five right. years along of course um and you know I it's a constant work in progress um, but something that we always have to dial back and be like, hey, we have to remember all the things that we've achieved too. Like every time we have a success, we have a mini celebration and then we forget about it. But we should really be relishing in those moments more. Mm -hmm. um, so recently we started this scrapbook where we like to take a photo for um, the key like success from each month and we're starting to document everything mm -hmm. um, as a reminder, like a gentle reminder to ourselves that we're doing the best that we can and we're doing a great job. I love that. Um, so not always comparing yourself to other people's highlight reels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. And tell me about the first time, um, maybe it was the bait, maybe it was something else, that first moment where you're like, okay, this might actually work, like we've done something right here. I'd say probably one of the standout moments to me was we used to do these in-person markets mm -hmm. um, that were kind of like craft shows, especially around the holiday season, Yeah. Um, where we would just do these pop-ups at these different markets around Toronto. And there was this one time, it was August last summer, I think, um, that this woman came back to us who had started trying our products a few months prior at another market she came back to us just to talk to us and she was so excited she's like guys I just want to come back and say thank you like my skin has cleared up so much and I'm just Amazing. so grateful and like I remembered her from the first time that she came by she had like really yeah. bad hormonal cystic mm, acne yeah. and to see the change in her skin and in her confidence levels in such a short period of time was so encouraging and mm. that's I think that those that's one of those moments I'll, I will never forget and those are the standout moments for Connie and I is when mm. we are able to read customer reviews or talk to customers about how much the, our products have changed their skin mm -hmm. and that's really our north star is 100%. making sure that those moments keep happening and knowing that they're continuing to happen and they happen more frequently yeah. shows us that we're going in the right direction mm -hmm. yeah and now that you know the company you've moved from basically making things in your kitchen and bottling them yourself I, I assume yeah <laughs> now making them in our kitchens <laughs> anymore and yeah. um, tell me about kind of those first meetings trying to get suppliers trying to yeah. get partners for your business was it difficult did you you know the you didn't have prior experience owning you know another business what what, what were those first meetings like and what was your concept and yourselves as two mm -hmm. young women received as yeah I remember going to a bunch of manufacturing visits when we were looking for our first round of outsourcing that mm -hmm. and I literally just googled um co-packers in Toronto for cosmetic products and I think I went to five different sites and just met with their heads ideally getting as high up the chain as I could mm -hmm. and just calling in and being like hi can I speak to your president or to your CEO and then having a conversation with them about what we're building and then asking for a meeting and to tour the facility and they're always very nice and they'll say yes and then by meeting them in person, I think that most people have pretty good judges of character that you can tell when someone's being honest and forthcoming with mm. you. You can tell when they're actually interested in a genuine partnership. And so those were always the things that I looked for was, you know, is this the kind of person who will give a little to get and to understand that business is a relationship mm -hmm. rather than just a transaction? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's very much about finding people that understand that. Um, and interviewing them kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been rare situations where I've felt kind of talked down to since Connie and I are only 26. We started this brand when we were 23. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very green, still very green in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. But I've never felt like anyone's really tried to take advantage of us from mm -hmm. like a totally malicious standpoint. Um, That's good. There's definitely <laughs> people that will try to get away with a little bit more, but you know, every month we get a little bit better with negotiations. Mm -hmm. We get a little bit more information about how things should be done. You find the right mentors that can help guide you and mm -hmm. correct some of those little mistakes you've made along the way, or you learn from mistakes that you've made where you're like, oh man, I probably could have done better in this way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I'd say it's just having the courage to reach out and knowing that you are a legitimate business owner, that your business is legitimate, that you have power within those situations. Mm -hmm. You know, we're approaching a million dollars in lifetime sales. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Um, and this year we're already 7x what last year was. Mm -hmm. So like that's a real business and that's something that's real, really tangible and we are growing quite quickly. So mm -hmm. it's something that we should be proud of. Um, and just making sure that when we meet with new partners that we bring that confidence into those meetings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
do you have mentors in the industry or you know people that have been cheering you along and kind of giving you that support yeah and that's something that Laura and I actually really focus on um, I think that some entrepreneurs um, when they have an idea um, maybe they it's an ego thing or you know it's like it's my baby so no one else knows it better than me but they don't want to reach out to other people for help whereas for Laura and I yes it is like you know our business is our baby but we also recognize that we don't know everything mm -hmm. nor should we try to learn every single aspect of the business like we of course have tried every aspect but we shouldn't become experts in every single area mm -hmm. and we know when to reach out for help so we have you know mentors in the beauty space at L'Oreal um, we have mentors in the branding space so one of the founders of John Street Advertising mm -hmm. which is like one of the biggest national agencies um, they did the campaign for the no frills one mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. and so someone there we also have the CEO of Boxed um, in the US and he's been really helping us with scaling um, so again like we're always looking for mentors um, in strategic areas that we ourselves don't have the most experience in mm, right. and I would recommend that to anyone listening um, and who's thinking of starting a business reach out to as many people as possible because you'll be surprised by how many people are willing to help mm. and how do you find them like how did you approach your mentors was it somebody who was introducing you mm -hmm. did you just do that cold call to set up you know a meeting or, or a phone call um, so I can speak to two of them. So one of them um, is someone who's uh, very high up at L'Oreal and the way we're introduced is Laura and I were part of a pitch competition yeah. um, sponsored by Queen's University and when we won the competition the head of alumni relations um, had a meeting with um, this man at L'Oreal uh, and she mentioned that we had won the competition and he expressed a lot of interest in mentoring us mm -hmm. so he had actually reached out to us um, amazing. Yeah. so that, that one worked really well and then another one the CEO of Box um, we met Che uh, we were in Vegas for a conference we were on the blackjack yeah. table <laughs> and um, someone was like, oh, that guy, like, he's at Box. And when I saw him, I was like, I think I've seen his TED Talk. Right. And he has a really famous TED Talk on micromanagement. Right. So then I was like, were, did you have a TED Talk? And he said yes, and he's a CEO. Um, and from there, we chatted a little bit for 20 minutes, and then... Um, then I asked for his card, mm -hmm. um, which I think, again, like you have to develop thick skin in some areas. Yeah. I think some people might have been too shy, yeah. but just put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was a really warm person. He's like, of course. Um, then we sent him product for him and his wife to try. Mm -hmm. um, and we had a call with him a month later and talked about strategy with PR in particular. Uh, and from there, we asked him to be our mentor. And so like the thing is, you like Laura said, relationships are about giving a little and getting mm -hmm. a little. You don't just go right out of the you gate. Like, can, will you mentor me? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah that yeah, would yeah. be kind of overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and when you also talk about like your credibility and the amount of work that you put into your business, I think anyone will respect that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and what about individuals who inspire you and you both come from a background where entrepreneurship was already in the back of your mind mm -hmm. did you have any role models or somebody that really you know drives you when you look at their journey or their uh, their the career they've built I would say of course I'm inspired by my parents and I'm very appreciative for them but I wouldn't necessarily say that they're role models because mm -hmm. my mom's a family doctor so very safe career my dad was in the print and graphic design business I built quite a large company um, but like totally different space and different right. time as well, right? Sold it around 10 years ago, I think. Um, so for me, two of my primary, I guess, like inspirations are people I've never met before. Mm -hmm. um, but one of them would be Mimi Icon. She's uh, one of the founders of Lexi Hair, which they started in Toronto and then mm -hmm. grew to this massive multi-million dollar global uh, hair extension brand. And I've always admired her just, I guess, approach to life and her openness with mm -hmm. her audience about what that experience has been like for her. Mm -hmm. um, so she's a very warm, nurturing um, sort of person. Um, and then the other person that I um, admire a lot is kind of on the whole other side of the spectrum. It's this uh, fellow named Andy Frisella who has a chain of supplement stores and a line of supplement mm -hmm. products down in the U.S. And he has a podcast uh, called The MFCEO Project. And he's very brash, like very outspoken, yeah. swears all the time. So don't listen to it if you're offended by like strong views. Um, but I, I just love his, uh, I guess, transparency and how he just says what he means. A lot mm -hmm. of what he says, I think, is gold when it comes to business mm -hmm. and, and the truth of things. It's mm -hmm. just about being consistent, doing five things every day that move you towards the goal that you want to be on. Mm -hmm. um, so I've listened to his podcasts religiously for probably like four years. Um, for me, like growing up, uh, definitely was my father. Um, 
I mean, my mom obviously is a role model in many ways mm-hmm. too, but in terms of like the business side, I would say definitely my dad, um, because like he moved to Toronto when he was 18, he had like $2,000, um, and then he was able to work throughout, um, you know, his time in school, and then he would be like a busboy and a waiter, and he was able to make enough money to bring his entire family to Canada, mm. and like that, that was a t- at a time, like when I think back to what I was doing when I was 18, like it's completely different, and um, the amount of like hustle and drive that he has is so so inspiring to me. Um, so that was definitely my role model growing up. And then now that we're older and you know other than being inspired by people on like how I built this and again, really cool founders out there, one in particular that stands out is um, this woman named Eleanor Pendleton. And she's the founder of Gritty Pretty. Um, it's one of the largest online magazines. Um, they're based out of Australia. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm inspired by her is that her leadership style is all about kindness. Um, and empowering people through uplifting them, Mm -hmm. which I think sometimes as a female founder, you can be taught in a way that you need to be very brash in some aspects um, or to be almost like catty in a way sometimes to get what you want. And if you want to succeed, you need to be competitive. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that really resonates with me very Mm -hmm. well. And everyone has their own style. um, But for me personally, her style of leadership really resonates, like being friendly to everyone and just inspiring them that way. So it's really refreshing to see that type of leadership style and for her to also build such a successful brand Mm. um, with her kind leadership style. So speaking of leadership style, because that was going to be one of my questions for you, (laughs) what kind of leader are you? I would consider myself a servant leader. I'm very Mm hands-off, very much what would inspire you, how can I help you, what are your goals, what are your career goals Mm -hmm. even as a whole. Um, and very much trying to align what they're working on with something that they're really excited Mm. and passionate and interested about. And then it's just like, okay, like, let's set your goals together. Like now you're accountable to hitting these because like you told me what you wanted to hit. Like I'm here to help you hit those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then if you know, that doesn't happen, then we'll have a conversation about how it can help. But I'm, I tend to be very, very hands off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've definitely seen that too. It's a very good way to lead. Um, I would say for me, it's kind of like a team, team-based leadership in a way. Yeah. So again, kind of similar to Laura, where it's like, what do you like to do and what are you good at? But being there to support wherever they need help. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my style and definitely very much, I think Laura and I both are very much like sharing the fame and like taking mm-hmm. the blame ourselves. Um, so, you know, when successes happen, ensuring that the team really feels empowered and that they were very much a part of why we're succeeding. Mm-hmm. And then when something is an issue, instead of pointing fingers and blaming someone for something that went wrong if it could have been in their wheelhouse mm-hmm. taking a step back and being like how did this happen and how can we prevent this together as a team from happening again um, and I think that's something that Laura and I are very strong in mm-hmm. love that um, if we asked your team the culture what what elements are you trying to bring to the culture at New Body? So some of our core values would be curiosity Mm -hmm. and hustle would be two of the Mm -hmm. top values Mm -hmm. that they would say that the team embodies. Like always asking, okay, but like what if we do this? Or okay, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Or like, but would this work? And bringing a sense of curiosity and creativity to the work Mm -hmm. I think is really important and something that Connie and I value so deeply about any of our team members is that they have that innate like kind of questioning um, in their personalities. And then also, again, hustle, because I think that that's the only reason that we are where we are is Mm -hmm. by just sheer determination and grit and being like, okay, well, if this needs to get done, let's roll Mm -hmm. up our sleeves and do it. We're Mm -hmm. all in this together. And I think that that, those two things are different than the kind of the cliches of teamwork Mm -hmm. and all of that and communication because Mm -hmm. um if you're really curious and everyone embodies those things naturally you'll communicate ideas with each other and Mm -hmm. so what we look for in team members would be things like constant thirst for knowledge like Mm -hmm. do they listen to podcasts do Mm -hmm. they read on a regular basis in interviews are they asking questions of us Mm -hmm. are they connecting the dots of when we give them an answer they say okay but what about this Mm -hmm. or what if that right Mm -hmm. or are they just like okay cool and they accept it for what it is right So that's a way that we screen for those things. And then with hustle, it's, you know, what have they done that they've created on their own from scratch? Mm -hmm. What have they done that, you know, didn't exist before, whether that's clubs within school or like some sort of sports organization that they created or their own side business or side hustle. It doesn't Mm. have to be something that's massive or big, but just to show that they have that determination that they're like, yeah, I'm going to go out and do this for myself. Like no one's going to kind of be there for me. Like Mm. I'm doing this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners that can provide education, financing, mentoring, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship opportunities, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. Now, let's go back to my conversation with Connie and Laura. You are both very busy with, you know, managing the company and you, you're, you're still very involved in, in the growth on a, on a daily basis. Um, how do you find, and I hate bringing up the concept of balance, and yeah. we had a bit of a discussion when we had our panel together, um, and I think that's something that's imposed on women is work-life balance and mm-hmm. finding, you know, finding, finding that balance in our daily lives. So I'll phrase it a bit differently, but how do you stay grounded? What are some of those habits that are important to you on a daily basis or a weekly basis um, without which you wouldn't be able to survive and thrive, basically? Yeah, I can start. Um, I like the way that you phrase that. Like, how do you stay grounded? It's a different way. Mm-hmm. It's very refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, because I think balance doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. That's what we it's, talk about. Everyone's yeah. always chasing it, but yeah. it's a very elusive concept. It's a give yeah. and take. I would definitely say, like, as a precursor, that Laura and I both feel, you know, in our 20s, it's very much the time that we should be hustling mm-hmm. um, and working our butts off. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, we have gotten to points where we have both burned out <laughs> from just trying to hustle all the time. So from that experience, we've learned that it is necessary to find some sort of balance or mm-hmm. being able to ground yourself. For me personally, um, meditation is a big one. I'm not good at doing it every day. Mm-hmm. That's something I definitely want to get better at in 2020. So that's one of my New Year's resolutions. Um, exercising mm-hmm. is a huge one for me, um, particularly in the morning. Um, I just find that it really clears my head um, and it's time away from my inbox and time away from like my phone and my contacts. Mm-hmm. So definitely that. Um, scheduling in time for myself Um, so it's funny on the way here I was chatting with Laura and I was like I just feel like recently I haven't had enough time for myself and it's really affecting me like mentally Mm -hmm. and I can't like think straight and that that's also not good for the business so it's a good reminder for myself to start scheduling that in and by that I mean literally blocking off time in your calendar Mm -hmm. I have this like calendar um, invite called like me time and it means like (laughs) no one can disrupt me not even my boyfriend it's just me by myself Mm -hmm. Um, and then another thing I would say is yoga is really helpful so um, again it's kind of like meditation where you can only think about one thing so actually after this podcast I'll be going to a class (laughs) I love that perfect (laughs) so for for me yeah I'd be talking to my family like my parents Mm -hmm. and my boyfriend or the things that definitely ground me like if I ever feel overwhelmed by anything calling them and just talking through the problems that I'm facing with them are like the best things for Mm -hmm. me to do Um, so that's something that I will usually spend I'd say probably an hour on the phone with somebody every single night Mm -hmm. since my parents live out in BC and my boyfriend's in Chatham they're both like not within the city yeah so taking that hour every evening is so important for Mm -hmm. my well-being And then I'm also um, an introvert, so I need my recharge time. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily schedule it in like Connie does. um, I like that me time, sending myself a calendar invite. invite, Which is good. If you struggle with finding that time and carving Mm -hmm. it out, I think it's something that I've just learned that if I don't get on a really, really regular basis, I will end up feeling very disconnected Mm -hmm. from myself and Mm -hmm. very kind of grouchy and all over the place. Um, So, again, every night, like it's just doing something that's just purely for enjoyment like Mm -hmm. whether that's like turning on netflix just for the sake of watching something not Mm -hmm. because i'm like oh i want to learn about this Mm -hmm. thing just for entertainment or Mm -hmm. like listening to music just for entertainment or like you know Mm -hmm. having a dance party in the kitchen with my sister just for entertainment right Mm -hmm. doing something that's just fun um every single day i think is really important and not for the sake of productivity Mm -hmm. i think so many people get pulled into this endless productivity trap of being like oh well i should be meditating so Mm -hmm. i'm going to do it because i should be right right without really thinking, does this serve me right now? So I'll do those things when I feel like I need them or I'll journal when I feel like I need to write something down. Mm -hmm. But there's some days where you just don't need those things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. If you weren't the co-founders of New Body working in the skincare and natural beauty industry, what's your dream alternative career? 
probably an interior designer Mm -hmm. for me, which is like very out there, but I love interior design. Um, And if I could go back, um, I probably would have switched from chemical engineering into civil engineering. So I would have understand like the structural componentry to things as well as the design aesthetic. Interesting. For me, it would have been um, leading up a beauty brand at one of the large CPGs like Unilever or L'Oreal. That was actually the path that I was planning to go down when I was working at Kimberly-Clark. I was going to eventually try to make the switch to become a brand manager and then ultimately, I just love anything to do with branding and marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, So if it had not been for meeting Laura, that definitely would have been the step that I would have gone down. Mm, interesting. Um, is there a book that you read that's really influenced you or marked your life, maybe something you find yourself going back to regularly? Um, I'd say a book, book that I really love is Shoe Dog. Yeah. Um, it's probably one of my all-time favorites. I wouldn't necessarily say that I like reread it every couple of months or anything, but there's definitely lessons that I've learned from that book that I remember and refer to on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And I just think that it's a book that every entrepreneur should read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, two that I can think of are um, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Yeah, that book changed my life. So good. And every time I read it, I get something new from it. Yeah. Um, and the second one is... Um, Oh, I'm, I'm blanking. It's a negotiation book. Uh, the... ne- uh, never Split the Difference. Oh, Never Split mm, the Difference. Yeah. Right. Okay. By Chris Voss. Mm-hmm. Um, but in particular, I would say like The Untethered Soul. Um, so my friend gave it to me uh, for my birthday one year. And it's just a really good book to go back to whenever I find myself taking myself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Because for those of you who not, have not read the book, it really talks a lot about like, separating your consciousness and from who you are as a person mm-hmm. and recognizing that a lot of the thoughts that you have are stories that you make up in your head mm-hmm. and remembering that at the end of the day we're all just like kind of you know descendants of monkeys circling around on this like planet that's just like spinning around in yeah. space yeah versus like you know a lot of the times you get so caught up in your problems totally. that at the end of the day are not you know that important yeah so it's a really good book to reflect on mm-hmm. and then for never split the difference it was written by a former fbi hostage negoti- hostage negotiator and it's a really good book on negotiation and learning how to practice active listening which is mm-hmm. you know negotiation in itself but also how to negotiate with buyers and suppliers which of course is in our day-to-day running new body mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is your personal definition of success? And if I had asked you two years ago, three years ago, maybe when you started a company, would the answer have been different? Mine is kind of morbid, but it's if I were to die tomorrow, would I regret anything? Mm-hmm. Like, would I say, oh, I should have done this or I wish I had done this differently? And if I were to die tomorrow and the answer was like, I regret nothing, that's to success to me. Right. And so, of course, that definition of like regrets and whatever will change depending on your life. But... Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been very guided by uh, this, like, trying to minimize regret within life. Mm. Um, so I think t- even two years ago, it still would have been the same. And do you feel like you don't have that many regrets and you're, yeah, you're proud of where you are? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a great place to be. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and for you? Uh, for me, a couple of years ago, if you had asked me about success, I probably would have said making six figures by the time I'm, like, 23 or mm-hmm. something like that. It was It was very much driven by numbers Mm -hmm. and about proving myself yeah um again not sure if that was like a factor of the environment um that i was studying in and you know being told a certain way of achieving success was better than other ways Mm -hmm. but i think as i've gotten as i've gotten older um (laughs) i find that you know going back to how eleanor pendleton is one of my um you know role models um about instilling kindness and being kind to people. Mm-hmm. It sounds very cheesy, but I think that if you are leaving every interaction that you have with anyone, um, feeling like you made them happier or that you were able to help them in some way, I think that's success in itself. Mm-hmm. And if that aligns really well with your own personal passions and your goals, then that's like the ultimate success. Mm. I like that. Um, I'm curious to ask you, there's definitely a trend um, these days about entrepreneurship and being young, starting your own business, and there's something really sexy about being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't necessarily the case 10 years ago or when I was getting out of school. It wasn't so much an option. There were a lot of entrepreneurs, but it wasn't as widespread as today. Also, there's more tools now with technology that makes it a lot easier, e and so on. Do you think this is really a, do you think this is temporary? Do you think this is a, a, a movement that goes deeper and that's really here to stay? I think it's generational. So within the millennial generation, um, think about like when we were being 
raised and when we were in our childhood that's when the great recession like this big recession hit yeah and ever since then i think there's been this just systemic lack of trust within big business yeah. because people thought okay the goal within gen xers and baby boomers was okay i'm going to work with the company be there for 30 years they're yeah. going to take care of me yeah and then when that hit I think all of society kind of realized that's not the case. Like there's no safe option anymore. Mm, And growing up in that sort of environment, I think really forced people who are younger um, that are now getting like really attracted by the idea of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of this kind of comes from as a society. So Mm -hmm. I'd say that it's not a trend or a fad. It's a generational shift in mindset because of how we were raised and the environment that we grew up in. Mm -hmm. And for Gen Z to come after Connie and I, it will be a little bit different where we see these people, one of the big crises of their generation has been the environment. Yeah. Like that's probably at the forefront for a lot of mm. what they think about as well as like social justice issues. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these people will probably be people that will be very passionate about getting involved with B Corps mm. or giving back to their communities mm-hmm. in some way. Their world is going to probably collapse down to mm. their neighborhood and mm-hmm. their environment. Mm. Whereas with us, it was very much expansive because yeah. that was the launch of like the internet. Like we were the first generation to grow up with the internet, yeah. social media, mm-hmm. everything's about like globalization. Mm. So I think we'll continue to see that um, continue where this lack of trust for big companies will continue yeah. to get even more extreme within yeah. generations to come. Um, but that they'll be entrepreneurial, but just in different ways than our generation has been. Mm-hmm. It'll be more uh, social entrepreneurship. Right. And I agree with that. Um, that general, like the different generations and how that's affecting us. Um, and the way that I see with the generation gap is that with our parents' generation, it was very much like when you think of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. Maybe that for them, it was more like, you know, safety and security yeah. and being able to put food on the table. Yeah. And for Laura and I, we've been so lucky to be able to grow up in our generation where we don't need to necessarily think of that as like our mm-hmm. first problem. And so we're able to think about self-actualization. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people are starting to think like, what do I really want to do in mm-hmm. life? Um, and yeah, like how can I contribute? And that's more, um, you know, uh, luxury that we're able to have mm-hmm. because of all the hard work that our parents and our grandparents put in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's it reflects on consumer choices as well. And you mm-hmm. guys are definitely in that right category. But I think that's why smaller brands are doing well because totally. that trust, that lack of trust in larger companies, extends to brands and and what we consume. Yeah. Uh, if I can, I much prefer supporting you know the local organic mm-hmm. baker on the you know on the yeah. corner than buying from a massive uh, uh, corporation. Yeah, and like it's a great movement, I think, and one that will end up vastly benefiting our economies mm. at whole and then people's just overall sense of well-being and mm-hmm. connectedness. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of feedback do you get from clients? And I'm also, there's a, a second question to that. Who Who is the new body consumer today? Mm-hmm. So in terms of the consumer, um, the new body consumer is women between 20 to 35 for the most part, um, living in large urban cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, areas like the New York area or um, San Francisco, LA, Toronto, Vancouver. Um, and they either... I love that you're answering that like a true marketer. I have like a, a map. <laughs> all the dots Um, and she either is already using natural skincare and beauty Mm -hmm. and knows all the problems that we you know touched on earlier in the podcast Um, or she's interested in getting to natural beauty but doesn't know where to start Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of external interests very much interested um, in Mm -hmm. self-improvement in the environment um, animal welfare yeah Um, again we were vegan and cruelty free so it lines very well there Um, and in you know active living Mm -hmm. Love that. And what has the what's the feedback they give to New Body? How do they view New Body? Um, they obviously trust the brand. You know, you're in the natural category. That's very important. You describe your consumer as somebody who's savvy, wants to what's wants to know what's in the skincare mm-hmm. she's putting on her on her skin, basically. Yeah. And when you hear from clients, what do they tell you? Yeah, so I would say like there's this whole um, trend now where they are self-proclaimed skin intellectuals. Mm-hmm. So they will like they'll really research yeah. um, what's in products. And I think something that we often find when people try new body is that they're shocked at the results that they can get from something that is so affordable. Mm, it's almost like right. disbelief initially, yes. where they're like, "Is yeah. this really?" actually curing you know all these acne problems that I've had for years Mm -hmm. when in the past I've been using an abrasive St. Ives apricot scrub right Um, so like learning that you can get extremely amazing results from something that's truly Mm plant-based and less than like 
30 bucks. Um, I think that's like the first thing that we tend to hear. Um, and the second thing is like you touched on the trust. Um, so Laura and I have really focused on ingraining ourselves into our brand. So we'll regularly have founder blog posts where we talk about, you know, even our own struggles as entrepreneurs, but also talking about like how we're building the brand mm -hmm. and about what products we use, etc. Um, and then in terms of the trust also, something that Laura can touch on is the formulation process, which mm -hmm. is really unique. Um, and we involve our consumers in developing products, which Ooh. again builds trust. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to touch on it really sure, briefly. Yeah. We try to be as iterative as possible um, and involve our consumers as much as possible within our development work. Um, so how we build out new products now is I'll go to our chemist team with initial concept of being like, okay, so we want to do a day cream, for example. This is what it should feel like in terms of skin texture. Texture. This should be the scent. These should be the like hero ingredients in it. These are the things that we don't want to include mm -hmm. in it. Just like basically a list of like ten things that must or must not be as a part of the formula. Then they'll come up with usually four or five initial formulas. We'll test them out on ourselves in like close network, so other team members, um, family members, and we'll usually do that process back and forth maybe three or four times. Mm -hmm. So there might be a total of like ten to twelve formulas that we'll try. Um, and then once we've settled on one that we're like, okay, yeah, this works for all of us, then we'll identify usually 15 to 20 of our top customers mm -hmm. who engage with us on a regular basis on social or have ordered a number of times or like messaging us or calling us and are really actively involved and passionate about the brand. And we'll invite them into a beta community where we'll send them a pre-production sample of the ingredients. So it comes directly from the wow. lab. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really cool experience for them too, because we want their feedback before mm. we actually produce the product. So we can involve their feedback into the actual final formulation. Mm. So we send it out to them. They try it for th two to three weeks so they can start to see the impact that has on their skin. And then they filled out a super detailed survey. I think it's around 30 different questions mm -hmm. about how would you rate it for like its moisturization level or how would you rate the scent? Is this something that you would buy? How much would you pay for it? Mm -hmm. Give this product a name. Like what mm -hmm. were your f least favorite things? Did it cause any breakouts? Like everything you can think of. That's amazing you do that. Yeah. And then we'll take that feedback, put it into a final formula, and then that's what we actually launch to market. Wow. So as mm -hmm. much as possible, we want to get a real sense from our customers about what did they want us to formulate mm -hmm, mm -hmm. versus a lot of ways that other traditional brands will develop their products is they look at an ingredient that's hot. Right. So for example, yeah, exactly. a couple years ago it was charcoal. Yeah. And before yes. that it was matcha. Right. And then they'll just come out with an entire charcoal line yeah. where it's charcoal cleanser, charcoal like yeah. mask, charcoal yeah. this, like face peel, whatever. And um, then they'll push out the entire line of products to their retailers and then consumers will try it and be like, ah, oh, this isn't really necessarily something that I want or yeah. use all the time, but right. it's a trend. Whereas we believe that great ingredients never go in and out of style. They're okay. just great. Mm -hmm. Especially when it comes to nature. These things have been around for, you mm -hmm. know, hundreds of thousands of years. There's no reason that they need to come and go. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so we're not a trend-focused mm -hmm. beauty brand at mm -hmm. all. We That's so interesting. We reject those sorts of ideas. Okay, I love that. Yeah. And my next question is actually one of my favorite questions to ask my guests on the show. And it's, what do you wish women would do more of? Oh, shit. I forgot that. I had a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good answer at the solo panel. Oh, um, I think it was asking for help more. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many things that I wish women would do more of. But I think asking for help more, especially in the beginning stages. Yeah. Um, and I think recognizing that you can launch something that's not perfect, mm -hmm. um, especially for female entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. like you can launch something that's not perfect and iterate from there. That's something that I had to learn, um, myself with new body is when we initially started, you know, we had these makeup wipes that we would soak by hand and they were in these plastic jars that were not the right size and the labels were all stuck on by hand ourselves um and so like that was like our initial product and I remember initially I was like hmm, like I don't know if I how I feel about this but you always have to start somewhere right. and if you wait until it's perfect you're n probably never going to start you're gonna wait um, too long mm -hmm. so I think like again I wish more women would just start and yeah. also ask for help because you'll be surprised by how many people are willing to help you or know someone who can help right. you it's mm -hmm. so much easier right I wish more women would stop saying sorry so often and apologizing for every single possible mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. that men would never even think about apologizing for or yeah. feeling like they're a constant inconvenience to other people for some reason or they're mm. taking up too much space or being too loud or too this or too that. Um, it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Mm -hmm. 
um, and it doesn't actually end up serving you. And oftentimes, especially if you're in a business setting, you're dealing with men, they don't really notice this stuff anyway. So mm-hmm. why are you apologizing for it? It's really just putting all this stress and stress and pressure on, on yourself. You. Yeah. So that's definitely the number one thing is just not apologizing. And given that we are close to the holidays, close to the end of year, what is your personal, what's the one thing you want to work on for next year? So not necessarily a resolution, but something you know on, you know, you just talked about saying sorry less, you talked about asking for help more. What's the one thing you know you've set as a goal for yourself in terms of your personal growth for 2020? One of mine is response times. I'm really bad at messaging people back, like texting people back. So bad at it. Like days will go by Terrible with that. So that's definitely like one of my personal okay. resolutions is to get back to people way faster because mm. it's something that I need to get better with. Mm. Um, and usually it's just because I just like such an introvert that I'm like I don't really want to have these conversations with all these people right now like <laughs> I'll get back to them when I'm ready to have right. those conversations but of course it's not fair for friends to just be left hanging mm-hmm. um so that's my number one like personal that's thing I need to change yeah okay can't wait to um, yeah there in 2020 we'll follow up on it exactly see how long it takes for her to reply well I have a few friends like you so hopefully they're listening yeah yeah <laughs> it's something that I think so many people are guilty of yeah and it's nothing to feel ashamed of but it's definitely like I'm interested to see if I actually am able to get better with it but I mean that could be a whole other podcast conversation but I think there's also in this era of text messages and instant everything Mm -hmm. we also expect to hear back from someone right away but that's not good time management sometimes it's no I'm going to take that one hour later in the day and that's when I answer my emails or my texts Mm -hmm. but unfortunately there's the expectation now that everyone should be answering back immediately Yeah, or else something's wrong Yeah, Yeah. and my goal definitely won't be like reply within 30 minutes or something it'll be like six hours like that's a reasonable period of time because I'm like one of those people that I bucket I need to get deep into something that's it and all these other distractions I just because otherwise we can be answering messages all day long oh all day long if you're just in your inbox and trying to respond as quickly as possible or in your text and trying to get back to people as quickly as possible you're just not going to be efficient yeah Yeah. Yeah. or you can do what I do and I schedule time my calendar for when I reply to texts (laughs) it's gotten to that point I think it's a great way of doing it and just like you schedule me time you schedule you know email or text I mean if it works for you if you're very type A like me yeah (laughs) Um, I think one thing that I really want to focus on is learning to protect my time more yeah Um, yeah Um, like that I think you know especially as someone who is very extroverted and enjoys meeting people and talking with people and helping others and all that stuff yeah um I still very much do enjoy those things but Mm. I've found that I will get over enthusiastic about saying yes to coffee chats and um you know going to to someone's event to support them for 30 minutes and then running back to something else and um I just feel like this year has been a lot of growth for new body but there have been many times where I felt stretched too thin Mm -hmm. and it was very much self-imposed. No one has ever asked me to, you know, do X, Y, and Z all the time. It's just, I think, like Laura said, entrepreneurs are very much hustlers and um, I need to learn to separate that hustle mentality sometimes Mm -hmm. and to focus on protecting my time more. Um, So that's like probably one of the biggest things. And the second thing is working on trusting my gut and trusting my intuition more Mm -hmm. Um, because as we're growing our team um, I just need to start you know setting my own rules and just like going with my gut versus asking other people like for their thoughts for every single decision Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. love that well thank you so much for speaking to me on the brand that will follow up on this resolutions for 20 (laughs) (laughs) and I'm excited to see what is in store for new body you guys are doing great and it's wonderful watching the brand grow Thank you so much to Connie and Laura from New Body. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on the podcast app of your choice. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for their support of The Brand is Female. If you are a woman entrepreneur, check out TD Services and find out how you can benefit from their support. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll be back in a week with a new guest on the show.